You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the Comedian's Comedian podcast and Happy New Year if this is the first time you're hearing from me. Uh, I was considering doing a little mini episode with a debrief of all the fun I had in America appearing on Conan uh, because I had an awful lot of fun and I don't want to sort of bore you senseless with it at the end of this episode. So I might do a little debrief in the next couple of days uh, and just tell you all about how it went down because I think there was... uh, I'll do it as... There we go. I've made my mind up. I'll do it as a special episode because that way, if it doesn't interest you to hear the minutiae of the decisions I made about the set and all the other stuff that happened, you can simply skip the episode. But suffice to say, I am so proud of it. I think it's the best thing I've done on telly. And uh, thank you to all of you. And I mean this, I really, I think I said this last episode as well, the amount of you who got in touch the day before and on the day to say that I was kind of doing it for all of us and that you all had my back and uh, all the rest of it. I, I was so touched. I was genuinely really touched. So thank you, everyone that got in touch. And thank you, everyone that has watched it on YouTube, uh, on the Conan, the Team Coco channel, T-E-A-M-C-O-C-O. Uh, you can watch it now and see me amalgamating uh, jokes over the last three or four years into an incredibly tight four and a half minute set uh, predominantly about parenting, but I'm I'm super proud of it. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about someone else. Let's talk about my guest today, Tom Basden. As you will hear, I, and I tried to cut out some of the gushing at least, Tom is a fantastic stand-up who I saw many, many years ago when he won the Edinburgh Newcomer uh, Award with a brilliant musical comedy show called Tom Basden Won't Say Anything in which he didn't speak. It was all uh, on um, uh, projections and doodles cartoons and loads and loads of music and I actually as I think I probably uh, bang on at him <laughs> about in this episode uh, I'm probably word perfect on a lot of his very short very funny punchy songs and we'll have to dig out the CD somewhere because I can't find it anywhere on Spotify but nonetheless this is Tom he's also the co-writer and co-creator of Plebs which is a very funny sitcom on Sky now into its third season I think um, about uh, or set in uh, and set in and amongst uh, citizens of ancient Rome. Very very funny, and we'll talk about that loads. We'll get into real detail on it on the uh, the Insiders Club. There's some really uh, deep and insightful stuff about the structuring, the storyboarding. So all of that uh, to come on the Insiders Club from comedianscomedian.com/insiders. But we're going to talk here about Tom's return to stand up after many years away, and we are going to speak a little bit about his Soho run, which is coming up from the 13th to the 8th. 18th of January in 2020, which is the first time I've said that on the podcast. That was exciting. Um, Tom Basden, sorry, thank you, please, at the Soho Theatre. So go to sohotheatre.com slash shows slash Tom hyphen Basden, or just go to sohotheatre.com and Google it, or just Google it from the 13th to the 18th of January. We're going to talk a lot about what it means to come back to stand-up after a while, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of his other stuff. He's done just bundles and bundles of stuff. So, uh enjoy this. (laughs) Can you tell I've been on holiday? Enjoy this chat with Tom Baston. 
let's talk about your first was your first story was your first stand-up show that you won the newcomer yeah in yeah 2007 that's it yeah I saw that show, and as I mentioned before we started, I bought the CD and enjoyed Lovely it enormously. That. And I'm gutted that I, it's not on Spotify. Was it one that was signed? Um, I don't, I'm unlikely oh, to have got have it signed it. because I was already a performer myself by that point, so I wouldn't have got you to sign it. Right? Yeah. No, but, I, feel, I, I signed half of them, and then and then, um, and then my hand started hurt. That's all. That's the reason <laughs> I asked. Uh, I can still sing. Let me inter you. I love it. Oh, right, it's yeah. It's so good. It's so good. That, like, there will be songs on that that I'm sure you haven't thought about in a long time that I feel very intimately connected uh, yeah. with. I mean, there's a few... To be honest, if I, if, I, if I do a kind of, you know, 10, 20-minute gig here or there sometimes, I, I'll do a couple of those old ones. You know, I still have a lot of affection for some of them. Um, they're very, I mean, they're very whimsical, a lot of it. It's not exactly, um, there's not a lot of content. <laughs> but, you know. Well, do you know, there may not be a lot of content, but what there isn't ever is repeated content. And yeah, I think you, see, you were one of the first comedy music, uh, musical comedy acts that I went, oh, that's how you do it. Because right. you're not repeating a chorus. You, you play beautifully, obviously a brilliant musician. You play beautifully an, an arresting and unusual tune that is good. That's good. I mean, I don't have much of a musical vocabulary. But <laughs> no, good. It's not yeah. just doggerel. You, you know, you can call music good. There's nothing wrong with that. Technically, that's fine. But then you build up to a punchline, and then you hit us with the punchline, and then you get out. And it's like they're, they're one-liners. Yeah, they're like one minute twenty second songs. Well, yeah, that are like I mean, beautifully I think, constructed one liners um, that are easy to, that they're repeated. Listening. Yeah, I think I think it mo- it, almost all of them really. I mean, there's like that the Robbie Williams song you mentioned there. That's that's sort of got a, a beginning, middle, and end in a way, and that's that's quite rare for those songs that, that I started writing. And I think that comes out of the coward's writing process as well, of just generating stuff and finding the funny idea and then junking it as soon as you've got that. You know, like not as you say, not just doing it again. Yeah. Um, for two or three verses. Um, and also Stefan directed my first show and he, um, he, you know, he was he very much wanted to kind of avoid it falling into that musical comedy sort of trap of like yeah. a funny 30 seconds and then a, a, an interminable three minutes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was the same sort of thing of just writing loads and loads of, jokes as you say like or funny ideas like trying to come up with funny ideas and then setting them to music afterwards i mean some some kind of emerged like a sort of full song somehow and and others was like getting blood out of a stone trying to make them work there is there is something similar to uh key's poems when tim key does a a poem off the back of a playing card as few words as possible get to the funny bit get out yeah i think you, you no, you may be right i mean um you know, I think our first we our first sort of foray into like solo stuff um, was at a similar time, and it was and we were doing gigs, and, and I think it was in like our second year of Cowards. We were doing um, gigs in a Masonic Lodge in Edinburgh, and he was just beginning to do his poems on stage, and I was just beginning to do songs, and um, I, I'm sure he would admit that we were we were quite crap at the time, and it was it was also we were we were doing it sort of as freeze our, our, mm. our kind of. Um, uh, sometime double act, and so it was. It was the the dynamic was always quite abusive and unpleasant from him towards me, um, but in it, you know not in a kind of like 
funny way letting the audience in in a sort of in just quite a, a, an upsetting way oh really oh yeah there was oh yeah there was like oh god <laughs> no, but, no, but like in, in a way that most like sometimes people would get it and find it really funny and we'd yeah. always find it funny yeah um there was one occasion when we did it though in edinburgh where this girl wrote me a note afterwards just saying like how um uh how sorry she was for that that she just witnessed that and like that the, the poet guy was just such an asshole, and um, you should keep going with your songs and, and like don't don't listen to him <laughs> because um, you were playing it so straight. I guess, yeah, as, like I it's guess not, so. it wasn't front cloth patter. No, it, it was, was just being it was told just to... a kind of theatre of cruelty, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. Yeah, um, but that's where we first started both doing our, our, our stuff. I think you're right. I think there probably are there probably are overlaps in between some of the, the poems and some of the songs. Although I think what I don't know. I think with the the like a lot of those early songs I wrote are kind of, you know, they are they are jokey. They are they are kind of jokes. Yeah, I think those those are probably the, the best ones in some ways. The kind of like the ones that are just uh, as you say, like a, a sort of unpacking a situation a little bit. Yeah, um, almost like a sketch set to music. You know, in some ways. So um, tell us. Uh, last night mm. I didn't see the show but is it a similar it's you solo yeah is there music to it is it yeah, similar I, in I've tone been, to that I've kind of putting, stuff I've been putting a bit of music in I probably I think I did three songs three, like three little songs last night um, but but otherwise it's it's um, it's stand up it's like it's talk, you know it's talking <laughs> you, you really know. winced when you said that yeah but <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm scared of it I I um, you know, I, I, it's not something I've ever really done properly. You know, I've, my my early shows, I, I, my first one I didn't speak at all. That was the kind of premise, and then the yeah. second one, I did I did speak if I was kind of enjoying it. I'd sort of speak a bit more and I'd talk a bit, but really I was, you know, the songs and the and the slides. It was very much like a um, a, a crutch through it. I think you know, not not in a uh, a bad way. It's just the nature of of those shows that uh, it wasn't. It was never really about me. Um, presenting um, myself, it was about me presenting my work. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, definitely. And it had, I mean, it had a really kind of classy feel to it because that, that's exactly right. You were presenting your work. Yeah. It was like, now there's this piece of work, which is funny, and if the music is involved, the music is very high quality. And I guess it allowed you a certain amount of distance Completely. from it. You didn't yeah. need to inhabit it and go, hey, guys, I think this idea is amazing. So you didn't yeah. have to ever I don't, or I don't think it's persuasive, really. I just sort of, like, put it out there and let people decide if they like yes. it. And I, I think you're right. It is, a, it is maybe a way of distancing myself um, as, a, as a comedian from myself as a, as a creator of comedy. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to, I'm trying to actually, you know, do it properly now. Or do it with, you know, do it with a bit of bravery, I suppose. Um, and just uh, just talk and see what happens. And what prompted that decision to do that? Given given that it's scary, yeah, and you're very successful in other fields. I mean, you've plebs plebs is coming back or has come back. From plebs her? has just come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've just done another one. Yeah, and you've been in the David Brent movie, yeah. and you've done. You were in Afterlife. You were a very successful uh, comic actor slash sufferer kind of. Uh, yeah, comic sufferer. Yeah, a comic sufferer. Yeah. And uh, and uh, writer and co-writer and performer in plebs. So, is what are the kind of what are the sort of behind the scenes machinations in coming back to yeah. stand up, or even as I say, coming back, sort of no, almost I, trying stand up for the first time. Stand up. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
It's, you know, this is a conversation that I, I, I have routinely with my wife, where I'm trying to, <laughs> why, why do you want to why, do this? Why are you doing this? Yeah, like, yeah that's a good question. Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, do you know what I think, um, I think happened? Is when I, I had um, a baby boy about two and a half years ago, and at that time... I suddenly had, um, I was doing, you know, a fair bit of childcare and I wasn't able to write because you can't really use, you know, you can't sit at a computer um, with a with a baby, really. I thought you might be able to, but you can't really. <laughs> yeah, totally. It uh, feels like you sort of should be able to. Yeah, but you it feels like can't. you should, but it's, <laughs> it's frowned upon anyway. Um, but I, I, I think because I, I was sort of having ideas, I was thinking of stuff and I was kind of coming up with things that I just wanted to to sort of do something with, I just started jotting down ideas for stand-up, basically. Um, and um, and then I, I just did a couple of gigs, like a very very early gigs, and they, and they went quite badly, but I just really enjoyed them. Um, and I think maybe it was, it, it was a slight surprise to me, kind of coming back to, not, not coming back to performing, because I'd, I'd, I'd kept doing gigs over the intervening years. I'd done the odd gig, but I'd done music. I'd done something... That was that was not particularly risky from my point of view, but I think um, I don't know. I just began to I began to enjoy it, and I be, I, be, I I didn't feel like scared like I thought I might. Um, and I, something about you know getting towards your, the end of your thirties, where I sort of didn't mind if people didn't like it. I just I'd sort of soldier on and try and take the positives out of it. Um, just become more selfish, I suppose. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just started writing quite a lot of stuff. Just to pick up on a, a, a lovely phrase, a delicious phrase you said there, which is, um, it went quite badly, but I enjoyed it. I, I feel yeah. I know what you mean as a comic, but for the benefit of people listening who aren't themselves performers, can you just drill into that a little bit? Um, well, I suppose I, I, I suppose there's two things, isn't there? There's, there's kind of the slightly sociopathic sense of that, that like, um, you know, the audience not having a good time doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm so focused on my own development as a person that I don't really care about anyone else. That, um, that has got to be part of, of the course, equation, Of course it, it yeah. is. And I think that's, you know, you, you see, yeah, I think that's, you know, the, in a lot of comedians' brains, that sort of instinct. Um, and I think the other thing is like... Um, just the just the feeling that that the little breakthroughs, the little victories, are kind of worth the the sort of pain, um, and also that it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like you you, you do a, do a gig somewhere, and as long as you haven't, you know, people haven't sort of thrown glasses at you. Like it doesn't. Who cares? Like you'll you know try a few things out, and if they're funny, they're funny. If they're not, they're not. And then. Try again, and I think that's with, with my earlier stuff. I was, I was, I was worried about that. I was, I had quite a thin skin, you know. Um, after my second Edinburgh show, which went, which went fine, it, but it didn't go as well as the first one. I'd say, I think I just felt like I didn't really want to put myself through that again. Um, and also writing songs it just took me fucking ages to like to you know because as you say the songs are so short and I do like thirty. Yeah, of course, and it's just, of course. It was a f- absolute And they're nightmare. good. They're proper... Well, and sub, I, had to, you know. I had to try a lot to find yeah. the ones that were funny. Yeah, because you, were, um, you, 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 you lean more towards being a one-liner comic who's got to come right. up with It's like the reason why Mo Phillips yeah. does like a show every, every 15 years or something. Yeah, you know, it's, right. it's just it's a nightmare. 
Um, you know, so I, I, I wasn't, in 2010, I wasn't sort of rushing back to Edinburgh or didn't want to put myself straight back into that ringer again. And then, and then I guess I just sort of found other stuff to do. But, but writing stand-up, like writing routines, I've just I found completely different in a way that I feel so stupid that I didn't start doing it sooner, really, because I've, I've begun to really enjoy it. So what sorts of things? Because you're, you're taking the show to Soho in January. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what sorts of things is, is your stand-up about? You as a kind of, like, writing stand-up for the first time under a yeah. certain amount of, I don't know about the, I don't know how, how much pressure you feel, but obviously you're a, you know, you're a well-known name. You'll get a crowd for your Soho show. And so your stand-up, it's like you're coming into well, it. Don't not- make me worry about it more. I mean... <laughs> Well, like, are you, let's not talk about pressure, but let's just talk about you're, you're kind of coming into, you're not an open mic, but you're not a long in the two stand-up, right? As, as a stand-up, I mean, yeah? You're not an open mic. Can I put that on the post? Yeah, you're by means. Yeah. Um, do you see what I mean? Yeah, in terms I do, of like I do, miles, I do. No, I do, I do. But then, I suppose, I don't know, I have been on, I've been on stage quite a lot in my life. You know, I've done, I've, I'm, I'm fairly sort of, used to that and I have I have done a lot of gigs it's just that I've done gigs doing music um so I just haven't done that many gigs where I mean I've done very few gigs where I won't won't bring a guitar at all mm. um and I've done I've done more now you know I've sort of done quite a few in the last six months or so um but uh yeah I mean you know I, there, there's there's uh, I, I'm quite looking forward to it I'm, I'm not like, trying to convince you. No, I, feel, I feel like I've maneuvered into this position where I'm wanting you to no, worry it's about fine. it. fine. I mean, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe you'll find out tomorrow that I've withdrawn <laughs> the show. <laughs> um, sorry, you asked what it's about or what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, about. What, what kind of um, stuff are you talking about? So I guess, um, I, I mean, I'm talking quite a lot about about myself, I suppose, and uh, and and like uh, the various ways that um, that I've kind of failed as a human being. I think that's kind of what it's largely about. I, I think I'm I'm just trying to uh, you know present myself as an idiot and 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 talk about sort of stuff um, that's sort of happening now, maybe like politically, culturally, but in, in through the sort of guise of being an idiot, I suppose. If that makes sense. I mean, um, I, there's quite a bit about my son, um, and I know that'll you know wet people's appetites to see it. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's you know there's there's a there's a fair bit about like having a having a child now and um, and the sort of anxieties that come with that and and the world that we that I've sort of brought him into. Um, I, I don't know. Like there's, I, I think you know I had a I sort of had a very I'd say like six to eight months ago, I had quite a sort of strong sense of like having an argument for the show. And then I found that performing it, that the bits that were the argument didn't really work or weren't very funny. And the bits that weren't were, were good. And so I've sort of I've resigned myself to trying to make it funny and um, and sort of slightly simplify or, or really truncate what the kind of argument is. That's, I definitely uh, empathise with that part of the creative yeah. process. Is that reflected in... Does Is that peculiar to stand-up, or does that happen in your other writing? Oh, no, I think that happens a lot with scripts. I think, I think, um, I think there's always, you know, particularly with anything narrative, the trade-off between story and, and comedy. And... Um, you know, it's 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 really heartbreaking when you've when you've written a script and there's just too much story, and you're cutting. You know, you've just got to cut 
the funny stuff. You've got to cut character and and jokes and and funny um, in order moments. to move the plot along. Yeah, because you've got sense. this fucking plot. You've got this like millstone around your neck that you have to carry. You know. Can you give us a specific example of something well, that, like I, a, a, a loved bit you had to lose? I suppose in the in the first series of plebs, we definitely overwrote the script, so we we would have to cut stuff that we really liked and and you know to to maintain the story or to or to keep vital sort of story beats there's, i mean there's other stuff definitely other stuff um i've written where or, or like gap year of channel for channel four for example isn't it, it that's where we ended up having to cut tons of funny stuff because you know we someone well key was in it and he and key was just brilliant as you'd expect and there's just a lot of scenes that were just really really funny and um and we just couldn't we couldn't keep them in um because you almost need like a whole red button content sideshow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, that's that's where um, you know there's just that push pull with the with with the channel with where particular that was through commissioned through drama, so they were always like really banging on about story and like really cramming as much story as you can into things, and you've got people coming from a comedy background who are like, no, we want like this bit's funny. Mm. Just you've got to preserve the stuff that's funny and and. That, that you and often end up having that conflict, I think. So were you? Because I know you um, when you wrote the party. I'm mm. seeing the party. I actually did the warm up for the pilot. I know of you the did. Yeah. yeah, I know. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, the party was a sort of uh, satire on young people. Uh, was it? I'm, I'm going to, want to describe it, and uh, you tell me it wasn't that. So you tell me what the party was. Um, it was. It was. No, you're, you're not wrong. It's a satire on young people. Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah. a satire on young people yeah. having the like the appearance of political knowledge. Or yeah, political I, yeah, right. I think it's. I mean, I think um, it's quite quite sort of um, ahead of its time in some ways. Oh, def- oh, completely. It was uh, pioneering. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like the momentum movement just uh, in sitcom form ten years earlier. It's, <laughs> I, it was. It was. Um, it, well, it, in the, in that way, that's something like um, time trumpet. Right. You're like, oh, oh, that happened. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, TV yeah. go home. Oh, yeah, that all happened. That's yeah, what, that's yeah, what yeah, TV yeah, turned yeah. into. Um, yeah, I, I suppose, it, I, I think, to be honest, it came out of, like, um, conversations that I found myself having and sort of, like, uh, like you know, times when you sort of listen to yourself talking about politics and just think, you don't know anything. You don't, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and I, I guess I, I, that party was an attempt to, to sort of turn that into... Um, a, a kind of a, a sort of a show, a perform a, something that could be performed, you know. Um, and then, yeah, in the first instance, it was like a half hour play, and then we did it as a as a full hour at Edinburgh. Um, I mean, I think with party, one of the kind of um, one one of the things I, I've always loved about writing it um, over the years is that um, the the story is very light, actually. You know that the 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 episode, the bulk of the episodes is conversations, is stupid conversations about things that people don't understand, really. And it's that kind of format. It's like a kind of table discussion format. Mm-hmm. So it's all one scene. You know, it's all just it's 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 such a nice thing to write. Um, it, to the extent that when we like took it to Sydney, and and you know we were at the international festival with like you know shows from. Mongolia, where there'd be sort of forty people with drums and and these kind of like huge budget plays, I, I think it was 
we felt quite sheepish about basically just having a table. We're sitting around a table <laughs> in like a 500-seater theatre. It just felt like slightly ridiculous. Um, but, you know, like, we, yeah, I suppose we, we managed to um, put a bit of budget behind it when we did it in London. But um, oh, it, was, it, it, was, it was very well suited for radio because, you know, it's just visually... It's very dull. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, when you are in kind of writing mode, given that you've written musical comedy and stand-up and plays and mm. sketches in a movie as well at the moment, is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've written a few, I've written a few film scripts over the, the years, but um, nothing that's, that's been produced. I've just sort of been in development limbo with, with, I've sort of given up on films, I think, as a thing. Just because of the difficulty of getting them made, yeah, it's like the opposite of stand-up, yeah. isn't it? You have an idea, and then you wait ten years to get. Yeah, to and you. also, I think you know the people that you talk to about it are very upfront about like it'll take you years. They say things like, you know, you realise it'll take ten years to make this. You sort of think, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. <laughs> See you later. Are you kind of wearing a different metaphorical hat when you write in in different media? Um. Sometimes I'm wearing a different actual hat. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I, no, no, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. Like, I mean, I think if you're writing dialogue, then you've got to... Um, I find I sort of slightly perform the characters a bit. Like, my, my, my wife hates, like, if we're ever working in the same place because I'll just be muttering and, like, I'll be sort of... Okay. I'll be acting things out and she finds it incredibly annoying, which, I mean, it is annoying. Um so I have to, when I'm writing like dialogue scripts, I have to do a bit of that, I think, and 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 it's you know it's it is very much about um, trying to tap into like someone's voice or like you know copying behaviours that you've you've seen over the or like you know channeling people a little bit, and then yeah, if you're writing I don't know writing other stuff that's that's you know particularly sort of stuff to go on stage like root like comedy routines is different, isn't it? It's kind of I don't know. It's more like waking up at uh, four in the morning to write something down on your phone. That's what I find. Like, I, I find it very hard to sit at a computer and force myself to write yeah. stand-up comedy. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how people do that. I, I, can, I can force myself to write scripts because I know I've got to get through it and it's like doing a jigsaw. You've just got to just, you know, do the edges and then, and then leave the sky till the end, right? I but, love that. Tell me, I, I haven't written much or if any in the way of sitcom. So tell me about. I mean, that's the perfect metaphor, but ruin it by digging further well, into it. Well, I, mean, I guess. Like, what, have you got it? Like, a, what's your process? Like, have you done sort of mental storyboarding thing? Do you subscribe to any particular, um, like a, a, a learnt thing, or is it just? Uh, it, de- it depends. It, what, it depends what it is. With something like party, I would start at the beginning and write, and then see see what happened. Okay. Um, with something like uh, plebs, me and Sam, who write it together, would uh, storyline it very, very clearly, and then write the scenes that we've you know got a paragraph on, okay. and, and know exactly what's going to happen. Um, with other stuff, it's kind of a mixture of the two. With, it, with plebs, with the storyline, is it? Are you writing the storyline of a, a series or no, just individual episodes? No, so just, in, in just individual order? episodes. We, I mean, we've, we've sort of tried to do slightly more serialized things, but um, no, we, invariably we just try and tell stories of the week, really. Um, but yeah, it depends what it is. If I'm left to my own devices, then often I will just like to take a, a swing at it and just start at the beginning and write it. Um, which isn't an efficient way to do it because you can end up then realizing you've, you've you completely come at the story, arse over tit at the start, you know. But it's fun. It's a lot more fun. And is there... 
I find whenever I tr- whenever I have tried in the past to write sitcom, it just comes out as Red Dwarf. Like not not in, not in <laughs> right. terms of like um, not plot, but tone. Right, like that's just so embedded in me from being a kid. Wow, that's just. I just naturally, I can just... You just start writing Crichton. Yeah, I just... Do you know right. what I mean? I just kind of feel that that's the tone of the jokes. It's, you know, like I could right. never write a sort of office-style sitcom because I just, I don't know if I'm not, I don't observe the the minutiae of people's behaviour enough. I'm like, ah, oh, big joke. How can we get to the joke? How can we get to a fun yeah, idea right, to right, explore? Right. Yeah. Rather than precisely observed things. Yeah, but it depends what it is, doesn't it? Because, you know, like... There's there's some some shows that that are much more about jokes coming from character from very naturalistic situations, and then some shows where it's sort of big jokes, big set pieces, and people who are kind of un- unrealistically witty. Yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah. that's fine, like because yeah. there's a lot of shows like that that are brilliant. I mean, like Friends is still brilliant. That's the first one I thought of. But like, it's completely like... Unre- like everything about it's unrealistic. But, yeah. but that's not you can't criticize it for that because it's not trying to be. It's trying to be funny. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of the lines are really funny. So the difference between writing something like Party and writing something like Plebs in terms of the tone, like, are you... Obviously, the, the, the way you structure the writing and you structure the story is different, whether you storyboard yeah. or whether you just start at point A and wander. But is there... Like, are you in a different sort of headspace in terms of the tone? Uh, yeah, I think, I, yeah, probably. I mean, in as much as with, with Party... Like if something, if I if I start writing something, something and something I find something funny, like there's sort of some uh, you know like com- part of conversation that, that happens that I find funny, then I might just let you know write that for five or six pages and just see what happens. But in in plebs, uh, like you know the scenes have got to be like two pages really, mm. and 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 you've got to come in at a certain point and leave at a certain point. There's just not the space for for like long. Um, exchanges or long sort of riffs about things you know um so it's just it's a different it's a different thing i think i think you know with 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 plebs it, it, it's really trying to do that sort of classic sitcom story of the week thing like a b and c plot that all sort of um crash into each other at the end you know we, that's what we that's what we're trying to do with something like party um it's much more um i mean it's still silly it's still heightened but it's it's meant to be just a lot more intimate and a lot more kind of um, sort of controlled a, 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 a thing, I suppose. So this is Tom. Uh, I will remind you that he's going to be at Soho Theatre from the 13th to the 18th of January. Uh, the show is called Sorry, Thank You, Please, and uh, you should get yourself along to see it. He's an incredible live performer, and as I point out in the show notes of this episode, very handsome. So more from Tom coming up soon. If you were in the Insiders Club or you would care to join at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, you can get a load more stuff from Tom. We'll talk about cowards and my frustrations that his excellent sketch show Cowards didn't uh, become more widely known and more successful. It became slightly widely known and slightly successful, but it was so, so good. And I think you can actually catch it on YouTube. So go there watch a load of the episodes and then download the Insiders Club extra bit where we'll talk in detail about that and a load of stuff about the structuring and storyboarding of plebs. So if you are writing a sitcom yourself or have plans to, really good bit of extra content there for you as we get right inside the process from idea generation to storyboarding and so on and so on. So... Uh, that's all of that. Um, I've got a bunch of tour dates coming up in Corsham, Newcastle, Glasgow, 
and Cambridge as well, and Farnham, and... That's it, I think. That's all the tour shows I've got left. So go to comedianscomedian.com slash tour if you would like to find out about those. Coming up later in the in the year 2020. Are we saying 2020? That seems a bit much, frankly. But um, is it the roaring? People keep calling it the roaring 20s. I've heard two or three people refer to it as the roaring 20s. But there's already been a roaring 20s, so we'll be unable to discern between them. That seems mad. Um... As we go further into 2020, I've got some episodes already in the can with Ishan Akbar, with Jamali Maddox, um, and oh, oh, and John Kearns, which is the next one, which is going to be tremendous. Um, I'm also going to try and pin down Matt Winning, who you'll remember I was so impressed and kind of terrified with his latest uh, comedy show about climate change. Uh, one's coming up with him. And also we have a fantastic... I Look, I'm not going to name them because it's not completely ironed out, but I have been trying to get this person on the show for literally four years, and I think we might have cracked it. I think she's up for it, so look out, because there is, hopefully, hope. don't look out. Get ready to look out, just in case I come back with good news next time we speak. Right, that's all for that. I'm a little bit uh, out of practice at doing these, because I've had such a lovely break. Let's get back to talking with Tom Baston. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you're writing, how often do you get stuck and how do you cope with it? Um, I, yeah, I get stuck quite a lot. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I do cope with it. I think the way I cope with it is um, to just do something else. Like I, I, I'll, I'll usually have quite a few things going at any one time that I'm working on and then I'll sort of get to a point of um, a, like an impasse with something and then leave it and go on to something else and then... And then hope that by the time I come back, I'll have I'll have uh, untangled it a bit, or I'll just do something different. But I guess um, I I don't really believe in the idea of sort of um, you know inspiration or anything when you're kind of writing uh, scripts. Really, I think I think it's slog. I think it's a, a big part of it is putting the hours in and just sort of just making every bit work. Like like you know stories. Making stories work is really, it's really fucking difficult. It's horrible, um, but I, but it can always be done. You've just got to spend time with it and really pick it apart, and and maybe you know think of some kind of new idea that will open it up for you in some way. Are there, are there rules of thumb that you work to as a sort of self-taught, presumably self-taught story? writer uh, you know like you've have you ever done a, like a uh, training in no I've, I've not i've not really i mean i uh i mean I, t- I think what is what is um what i have found really useful is 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 sort of i can't remember where, where i heard it it might have been it might be someone like aaron sorkin even but someone saying that um that if your character doesn't want anything or the audience don't know what the character wants then then they'll find it boring um and i, I think that's largely true i mean I, I certainly think in in kind of um 
you know, in sitcom terms, just people who don't want anything are, are quite hard to um, in, invest in. I suppose the the other one that's that's useful that I found useful for story is um, that if your scenes can be um, assembled in a different order, then your story doesn't work. Um, if your scenes can be assembled in a different like order, if you could, if you've got work. scenes one to twenty and you could start with scene ten and then do scene two and it wouldn't make a difference to the story, then it means that there's something wrong with your story. Um, and obviously, that's a kind of um, it's a very um, you know uh, what's the word? It's quite a sort of blunt instrument that that idea because there's lots of stories you might want to tell in a in a kind of you know more varied way or like chop and change from past to present or whatever. But it is quite useful, and it also makes you realise what you don't need because if you've got twenty scenes and you took out scene eight and it makes no difference to the story, yeah. then you definitely don't need it. It might be funny and you can keep it in because it's funny and you like it. But it's just I think that's that I found like quite a useful crib. Um but I don't I don't know. I, I think it's um I think like th- these days there's so much um stuff that is just really sort of coherently its own thing. You know what I mean? Like I just I think those kind of old rules don't really apply. Um, and people who sort of slavishly stick to them end up just getting very angry about <laughs> new TV shows that are more this doesn't creative. Work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They do, and they say, "Well, this doesn't this doesn't um, fit with the algorithm that I've got for sitcoms, and therefore you shouldn't like it." Mm. Um, but obviously, it, it's it works on its own terms, and it's funny, and people like it, so it's it's fine. So in a way, I think those those kind of cribs are sort of they. They're only useful if they help you write, but they, you shouldn't use you shouldn't use them to like work out if something else is any good because you you know how you feel about something when you watch it. You know what I mean? In terms of your development as a writer, are there things that you like? What what do you feel is the biggest change you've made? What's the biggest thing you've learned from starting off to now? Or like I suppose another way of asking that would be, what things do you remember writing? that kind of makes you cringe now to think, oh, I can't believe I did it like that? Um, oh, that's a very difficult question. I mean, do you know what? There are, there are times when I'll sort of go through my computer and just try to find old scripts that I wrote like 15, 20 years ago. And, um, and I'll still sort of think, oh, yeah, I like that. Like that, I could have written, I could have written that. <laughs> I could have written that like this week. Maybe if you I had know. a dry day, I could just turn that well, in. Well, <laughs> yeah, but then part of I mean, it, and in a way that's quite an, an edifying thing because you think, oh, yeah, I sort of, you know, I kind of, um, I, I have a sort of tone that, that obviously I, I, I enjoy. <laughs> and then partly it's very depressing and you think, oh, that maybe I haven't really developed at all. Maybe I haven't <laughs> got any better or worse at this. Um I, so I, 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 it's really hard to say. I think I think it's just sort of um, uh, uh, script by script in a way that, like, that that you know, there's just lots of uh, lots of things that tonally are very different, or or story wise demand something very different from you, um, or just require a lot more thought. I mean, anything that requires research mm. is is a very different. That's a very different writing challenge, you know, because you've. You've you've really got to sort of try and get under the skin of it, and like actually, it's very, it's very hard for a comedian to get into that mindset because the idea of 
talking about anything that isn't already in your brain is just yeah. fucking terrifying. Like, why would you bother, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, writing anything like, like properly sort of dramatic or, you know, about, I don't know, like hospitals or the police or anything like that, that's really hard because it comes with a huge amount of work and it'll, it sort of tests you in terms of the authenticity of it. Um, writing about glib... Um, witty assholes. It's kind of very easy for comedians, I think, because that's who you're surrounded by all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, like you, whenever you see comedians sort of acting stuff out or like performing stuff, that's you know, you could just turn that into a script or a sketch very easily. They're not. They're not that different, I think. In terms of your work ethic, you obviously turn over a tremendous amount of stuff. Lots of projects on the go. Do you? Where does your? Where do you think your drive comes from? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, I don't, I, I really don't like having nothing to do. Um, I, I, I can't do it. I can't really, I find it very hard to enjoy being on holiday. Um, the idea of a beach holiday, um, terrifies me slightly. I mean, how, I like, I like reading. In, how but, are you in the bath? How long can you stay in a bath? Um, I mean... No, yeah, I don't mind them. I, I think okay, I like I'll a shower. I prefer a shower. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like to. I like to sort of relax. But I do. I'd sort of. I, I, I prefer doing like like going for a run or something that's a bit more. I don't know. Like I, I love a sauna. I love a kind of like ten minutes of sort of pain. But I don't <laughs> like the idea of like a half hour relaxing bath. Yeah, that doesn't right. like I think something like trying to make myself relaxed is not, that's never really worked for me particularly. Um, and and I sort of, I've, I, I don't know, I, I've always, not always obviously, but I've, for, for the last 20 years or so, I suppose I've, I've kind of liked the feeling of satisfaction that you get when you've kind of, you sort of come to the end of something or you've kind of completed a stage of something. I like that more than um, putting something off or not doing it, I think. And is there, do you feel there's any kind of compulsion in the work that you do? Like whenever anyone, whenever I, I find anyone, whenever someone says something in the realm of, I find it hard to relax, or I don't, the idea of a beach holiday terrifies yeah. me, I always think, is that because you're scared of death and so you're desperate to do as many things <laughs> oh as possible? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you to a secret. I think everyone does everything because they're scared of death. Um, I mean, I, I get, yeah, I suppose it is... It is compulsion, um, probably, uh, but that's yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's. Um, it's to be honest, it's not something that I've felt the need to unpack with a professional, mainly because I don't sort of want to. I don't want to. I don't want to not have it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's pretty well. It probably is a pathological flaw of some kind, but. Um, it's not making my life unworkable, so you know I'm okay to just live with it. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I like I like getting on with stuff. Are you, you happy? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Um, I, uh, y- yes. I mean, I am, I am happy. I'm ostensibly I am happy, but I don't really think about it very much. I, d- I mean, I find it quite you know pointless thing to focus on I'd rather be busy 
So to round off, then let's come back to talking about the um, the Soho run. Yeah, and your uh, well, two things really. One, what are your hopes for it? Mm. Like, what do you? What, how much of it do you want to? Do you want to have a kind of touring string to your bow whilst writing? <laughs> you know, um, like what? What's where does that go? Uh, Best case scenario. I mean. I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, obviously, you know, getting on this podcast was a, was was high up the list <laughs> for me. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do another show. I, I, I thought after two thousand and nine, I thought I, I, I still wanted to do another show. Um, so, so like after my second year of doing, uh, sort of like musical, comedy. Um, I felt very, I felt very depressed after that show. I felt like I'd just done something again. I, 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 I sort of, I, I don't know. I remember being up there in like the sort of second or third night of Edinburgh, having done it a couple of times, and just realizing that like in Edinburgh you can do anything. Like you can just turn up and kind of do anything as long as you're not, you know, inciting racial or religious hatred. You can kind of do anything, um, and. I sort of realised that I'd basically done the same show. Like, it was different. It was all different, but it sure. was the same, really. Yeah, okay. Um, which actually, I think sometimes, as a comedian, like it's that's sort of what you're pointed towards mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it's, this, it's, this works. You found your right. thing that works. Yeah, and also that's the best way more. to kind of, like, sell tickets, right? It's, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I just felt very down about that. And so I knew I wanted to do another show at some point, at least one, but I wanted to do something. I wanted, I, I wasn't, like finished with live comedy, I wanted to do more of it. Um, so that's always that's been in my mind for a long time. And then I think um, I just start. I just yeah, as I was saying earlier, I just started writing stuff and 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 gigging, and it just kind of I don't know. I, I like uh, a, a couple of people then just suggested that I work it up into a show because if you're doing new stuff, why wouldn't you? I suppose. Um, and uh, and then I started doing that, and and um, and now I think, um, you know, I might just do this show and then and then um, just go home for a while and stay in, or I might do more. I don't know. I mean, I I I think it sort of depends on um, how quickly I could I could start getting back into it again. Yeah. You know, that when you when you when you finish something, you can you can. Very easily, I think, just just go. Well, I'll obviously come back to that at some point, and then you and then you don't. Um, but I, it's a very long winded way of saying I don't know that I want to be a sort of touring <laughs> touring comedian, or like I don't want to be on any panel shows or anything. I haven't got, I haven't really got the personality for that. I don't think. Um, so I, I I don't I don't really know what I want out of it. I'd like to. Um, I'd love to go to Australia again, if anyone is uh, is listening and can make that happen. <laughs> I had I had a great time there, like ten years ago or so, um, and I'm, I'd quite like to go to Edinburgh again. Um, but you know, with a with a two and a half year old, I don't think that my wife would love that idea. But I, I'll, I'll work on that. You mentioned uh, when we started talking about uh, your wife having a different version of. You know, you having a conversation with your wife about going yeah, back to yeah, stand up. Yeah. What's her end of that? Um, well, no, I think she's 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 really supportive. I mean, she came to see my show last night and was very very um, you know very kind about it, and, and we talk about it quite a lot. She's she's very much like you know, 
on side in that respect. She knows that I want to do it. Um, but also <laughs> I think there's that sense of like, it is quite perverse, maybe bordering on willful to start doing live stand-up again uh, at the exact point that you have a child. You know I, I mean? don't know how people start. I am, I am so in awe of anyone, particularly if they're starting for the first time. Mm. There'll be newer comics, I imagine, listening to this who already have young children and are thinking, I'm going to start doing comedy. And I can't imagine how people do that. Yeah, but you must have, you kept gigging while you had your kids. Oh, yeah, there, right? but I was up and running. I had to. Yeah, I had but, to keep gigging. All but didn't do you know, I, just, I, I think maybe that there's a kind of unconscious thing as well for me that, like, I just. You know, I was, I was so in that kind of um, headspace of like, you know, the baby and and they'll fuck as he hit his head and and I'll I'll you know, there's that kind of like constant melodrama of having a baby when you don't know what you're doing. That I think that that going and doing the odd gig was like a, a release that maybe I didn't really need in the same way before, mm. um, because I could just go and I could just go out in the evening. I could just without needing um, to negotiate. I could just go. We could both go and just walk to the cinema mm-hmm. or like, you know, a play, stuff that as soon as you have children, that's like, it's, that's a bit of a um, logistical conundrum suddenly. Um, and I think maybe that's, you know, that's what the odd gig, and, that, and it's not like I was doing three gigs a week, this is what I'm talking about, like, you know, every maybe a couple of weeks. That, I think that's just what, what it gave me. It was just something, a sort of little outlet to, to kind of, when I'm, you know, just supervising a baby and it's extremely tedious um, and just writing down ideas, um, knowing that I'd kind of get to do something with that was, I just, I think I quite liked. Um, yeah, I mean, my son, my son asked me about it as well. Like my son, last night, my son was like saying, why are you gigging? I said, I'm going, I'm going to do a gig. He said, why are you doing a gig? <laughs> like, dude, you're, you're two and a half, I can't. It's too too much to to explain here, but I mean you're definitely part of the reason, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I um I don't know, I don't know exactly what I want to get out of it, um, but I don't mind that either. I think um, uh, I'm 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 happy just to sort of um, see what happens a little bit. I only ask this of. Uh, people who I consider very successful. Clearly, you have a lot of stuff under your belt. Go on. Yeah. Go on. Are why you going to ask for money? Why aren't you more successful? Um, I think there's a, clearly a conspiracy at work to prevent... <laughs> prevent. But it's just, I'm just asking, like, what, what oh. kinds of things hold you back? Um, you know, you're... you're Clearly, successful. I mean, how, how, how successful would you time. like me to be? Steve? How successful would you like to be? No, I'm a, but obviously, um, you think that I'm just I'm going to accept the premise of that question. I, um, I, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I think it's uh, it's 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 hard to to know how things are going to turn out. It's hard to know what you should be doing. I think I think in some ways, my you know my sort of output, if you like. Um, I, I can't really think of it as being like a career because it doesn't. I don't think that that really applies when thinking about your own life. It's only when you think about other people that you can sort of describe something as a career. But my kind of output has been um, slightly dictated by um, opportunities, I guess. You know, just like people um, suggesting things to me, or, or like um, uh, I don't know, like. I, 
I think I think there's a kind of um, there's just a slight chaos, isn't there, to the the way the direction that things go. I, I've not planned very much. Um, I, I never sort of gave myself like a five year plan to like crack Hollywood or sort of become one of the Avengers or something like that, um, or even to like you know be a sort of stadium comedian or something like that. Um, so I, I I think I've just tried to go where where things have interested me and where people have have been interested by me um and uh and as a result i think my my output's quite chaotic um and it's quite uneven and there's stuff you know i sort of dabbling in lots of different things um which which is which is a lot of fun but i think it doesn't make for a particularly coherent um uh career so so maybe that's why but then equally, maybe I'm, I'm not very good and maybe I'm sort of, um, you know, I'm way more successful than I should be. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it's not up to me, is it? So that was Tom. Thank you so much to him for coming along. Thanks, as ever, to Angel Comedy. Go to angelcomedy.co.uk to find out what they're doing. Uh, one of the things they're doing is let me record in their incredible premises at the Bill Murray Pub in North London. So get along there if, you, if that's not already on your radar. Uh, thank you once again to Nathan Wood for uploading, editing and producing the show. Thanks to Jake Crossland for logging the show. Your podcast consultant was Pete Dobbing and the music was by Rob Smouten. Loads of good people coming up soon. Uh, I am going to not post Amble at you now, but I am going to do, uh, I'm going to release shortly a, a little Conan debrief episode so that you can skip it if you don't care to hear about my exciting trip to LA to finally do a bit of telly I am 100% proud of. Very excited about that. So that is that. Thanks for listening. Coming next week, John Kearns. And uh, I'm going to be on holiday, but I am hopefully uh, in cahoots with Nathan uh, in order to get you a bunch of episodes prepped and ready to go so that when I'm not in the country, uh, you can still enjoy my dulcet tones. Which means, if you've listened this far, I will reward you with this bit of information. The next two ep- one or two episodes that you hear... Uh, will have me referring to things going on <laughs> from uh, what that from that weird TV perspective they do when you you pre-record uh, you know some sort of New Year's Eve thing in June. Anyway, that's all for now. Thanks again to Tom, and uh, I will speak to you very soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.